Can I make a suggestion? Can we just can we just do yeah, Jerry and circle up? Because yeah. I feel like I might stare at the back of Dr. Day's head and I want to see his beautiful face and <laughs>
to these people. So yeah. it's I very. Think you can have a curated, you can have part, at least part curated yeah. festival without being mainstream. And I think it's really, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with one person doing a little bit of curating, because in a way, bringing that element of something else into it, it it's like an inspiration. It's like a starting point for the artists who are Certainly, I and you know I don't I don't think uh, you know even our festival, which is the unjuried model, there's a level of curation that happens in our festival. We have we have a tiered system as far as venues, so the smaller venues are very cheap to to, to get into. Um, it's a, you know it's much more for for artists to be able to take chances and do whatever they want. You know really you know not have to have, be worried about having to make you know have a certain audience number in order to make it feasible even if they were to have no one show up to their show, we give 100% ticket sales back, but even if they were to have no one show up to their show, they'd lose 450 US dollars, which amounts to about 300 pounds uh, total would be their, their loss. So, um, that, and then we have the larger venues where you have a much less uh, of a lottery because not as many people apply, and so it's a lot easier for me to go out and say, <coughs> you should come in, come in to a larger venue. And what we then get is a little more maybe mainstream, uh, or at least more um, marketable stuff there. Uh, that becomes gateway drugs for uh, audiences to come. They'll come and see something that's familiar, the one-man Star Wars, and then they'll go, I have the button, I'm here, and there's, I'm gonna take a chance on, you know, uh, this, this, show where I put on headphones and it's, you know, done in, in black with flashlights and, you know, whatever else. So um, it, it really gets them to be more adventurous, I think. You know, I thought it was quite interesting. Graham, I don't know if you even noticed, but he was defining mainstream and what he was saying because he was making stereotypical assumptions about what fringe means throughout what he was saying. Because mm -hmm. he was saying, oh, Travers, it's not really fringe. And like, is it? It is fringe because it's in the fringe. So he had already made an assumption that because it was good quality, it wasn't fringe. Yeah, but fringe and money, is it in the fringe? Does that mean it's fringe? Well, we're talking about content of... Yeah, the royal blood, most of the contents. And, and also, I think he was being stereotypical about kind of, you know, fringe performance means someone performing in a phone box to three people. It's not... That isn't what fringe means to me. But obviously, to somebody like him, who doesn't, and he said, he hasn't been to fringes that often. That's what it means. And that's a kind of, I think when we talk about mainstream and non-mainstream, then we need to kind of almost forget that. I don't think it's important. I don't think that's, I think that being mainstream or not is not what defines it at all. It's something completely different and breaking down stereotypes like that he has at, for an educated, creative person, you know, professional. He has that stigma, I think that's yeah. serendipity. I think that's what's a cheap joke about. Yeah, we don't like speaking. <laughs> 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 I think going back to something you said twice, and I think that this, I, I, I don't think it's possible to define French, first of all, especially no, whenever yeah. it's so broad. But I think in looking to define mainstream, I think what you said is very interesting, and I would go, I would venture to say that mainstream is something that is easily definable. Because you were talking about how the bigger theaters, the more mainstream theaters get funding. And like what Chris was saying, it's easier to pitch, from his perspective, it's easier to pitch a curated festival to a funder because they know what they're getting. And I think that that maybe is how you can look at mainstream, is people know what they're getting. Whereas Fringe, whether, whether it's a high quality piece of theater or a very low quality piece of theater, whether you're at the track or whether you're at a phone box, you don't necessarily know what you're getting <coughs> by just knowing it's fringe mm -hmm. because it is so diverse. Yeah. And I think also when you get, um, I mean, I'm sure we've all got friends who perform or perform ourselves. And some of my friends who perform where it's multi genre, where it's okay, it's storytelling, but it's theater, but it's kind of comedy, mm -hmm. but it's, it's all three of those things, but it's kind of, you can't put it. Some people will be really drawn to it, like, hey, it's fringe, that means it's 
I, you know, it's going to be exciting and you know something a bit different. Or people who are like, oh, fringe, I don't know what I'm going to be getting. And I that, think the one common thread that I found, and almost, and, and really there's there's almost no exception to this in fringe festivals across the world, is the idea of independent performing arts. So it's independently produced that those, uh, there, there are very few exceptions to this, there are some, but um, that, that idea of the artist, it's artist-driven content. Yeah, I think it's important to look at the history because of course the word fringe has a lot of connotations. It could be a fringe political party or the fringes of your hair. But uh, in Edinburgh, it was a specific threat and the threat was if you don't let us play in your festival, we're gonna play on the fringe. So I think in the context we're looking at for this festival, it's certainly independent uh, of any arts organization. Uh, it's definitely do it yourself. Uh, and it's also rebellious and it's also inclusive. Uh, and to me, that's what uh, the fringe signifies because historically, that's what it is. And of course, now it's moving in so many directions and people are saying, oh, well, it's undefinable and so forth. But I think that opens the door uh, for it to be trademarked, for it to be you know, co-opted, uh, for it to be just become so dissipated to the point where it's almost meaningless. So I think that's important to think as well of like, do we need to protect uh, the brand that we're dealing with here. Well, and I think that's, there's the dichotomy of what you're talking about, because you talk about the trademark, and it's easy to kind of target CAF and say they have trademark, and that's very unbridged. True, but it's also the trademark is in place to protect the brand and the artists. Yeah, but I got um, kicked out of the festival. I wasn't protected, nor did I get my ticket sales. So I, well, I, 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 well I, yeah, I wasn't there, but I think uh, it, as far as ticket sales are concerned, that's one thing where you have, if, you know, if an artist is not being supported by the festival, that's a member of that organization, then they can take a grievance with the organization and the organization can kick them out, kick the festival out. So it really, like in the United States, we have what's called USAF, which is just a loose gathering of, of festivals. There's really no structure to it and no, um, no body to actually protect the artist. So uh, years ago, the Seattle Fringe, which was the oldest fringe in the United States, it was the first one, um, they folded and none of the artists got paid. They folded and kept all of the money. And there is nothing that anyone, you know, I mean the artists had to try and try and recoup individually, but they, there was nobody there to help and support. And so I think there's a, there is, it, there are two sides to it, and I see both sides, but the trademark, in uh, of CAF uh, is actually uh, there are very there are very positive things about it as well. So. And I think it's really important that every fringe is different. You have open access, you have lottery, you have completely underrated curated, and something that has I because I used to work for Edinburgh Fringe and now I work for Capital Fringe, and they're both incredibly different fringes that are hugely dictated by their locality. Capital Fringe, while we do have some international artists and we have a really small percentage of artists from other parts of the US, our artists are overwhelmingly local mm -hmm. and our audience, audience is overwhelmingly local. That's and oh, most fringes are like that. Exactly, right? and mm -hmm. so you, you, you have to, I mean, yes, like Julianne was saying, a lot of our audiences are really well educated and, and know about Edinburgh Fringe and some of them have been here, but by and large, nobody knows that there's other fringes. And I think that that's the beauty of the term fringe, is that you can you, you can make it fit your locality, and you can use it. And when you say fringe, yes, you always apply that slightly, as you say, often fringe, like the dictionary definition of fringe is that it's the edge. So people, people get that. People are always gonna kind of get that, oh yeah, you know, I'm not going to see the Shakespeare Theater Company in a 2000 seat venue, but at the same time, it it can mean you know, for for us, it's all about like incubation, and it's it's really about reaching out to particularly local artists and giving them a platform where they don't have any because we have so few um, small venues in DC. Like that's our mission, and you know that's obviously not the case in a lot of other cities. So I think you can you can kind of edge it to mean what what you want it to mm -hmm. in a very big bubble, which is good. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think there's there is there is still diversity amongst Canadian fringes, and and what but she couldn't start one. What you're seeing more and more is um, like Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg, where it's very BYOV heavy. Edmonton is more than half for your own venue, which is more Edinburgh model of the venues are are programming themselves and and Friends so and so it is it is it is, it is it, it's becoming a lot more open access um, in that regard. So it's that, that even 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 the purists in in Canada are becoming more hybrid, and uh, I think that's interesting. I mean, we do the model, and we're members of CAF because we choose to, and we think it's the best way to do it for our city. Uh, we don't have to. I think it's, you should never try and define the word fringe or the style of fringe because by the very nature it's undefinable and it's like trying to keep uh, the arts the same as it's always been and it's always in development and it's always changing, communities always change, like you say capital where it was before now it's a different area of the city, you can't you can't rein it in. I don't think it's beyond our control to try and define what it is. I think you can sort of say what it isn't, though, just by defining that. I mean, the, the, the point is, the fringe is a fringe of something, or that's not that's necessarily. Not, I mean, it's a reaction to something, or it's the edge of something, or it's a. Or it's in a my experience, there's two. There's two types of fringes: fringe of, or uh, of fringy theatre or fringy performance, or it's the fringe of, of another festival. And I think that's a that's quite a clear way to work out what type of a fringe it is well, in a sim so in simple terms. In that sense, you can say what what it's moving towards or what it's moving out of by looking at what it is the fringe of. Yeah, yeah, but it yeah. doesn't need to be a fringe of anything. No, though, does it? but what it's reacting against or why it's there, you know. Mm. So looking at the blank space, I mean, you can sort mm. of. They normally come out of a reaction to a lack of something. So a lack of performance space, a lack of... But then that changes all the time, like you say. Yeah, it does, yeah, exactly. So, so by yeah. looking at its environment, I think you can sort of define it a little bit. It's a good yeah. question to ask, like, is it possible to say what it's not, for example? Mm. I mean, I think, you know, you know, I could say, at least in my opinion, it shouldn't be about, uh, you know, corporate advertising. Mm. That sort of defines the purpose of its original intention, or it shouldn't be about trademarking and restricting it. Or it shouldn't be about uh, exploiting artists to put money in the hands of other people, because those are or, yeah. or censorship. Yeah. Because these are the antithesis of its original mm -hmm. purpose, and yet we're seeing this happen quite a lot nowadays. But if yeah. we keep going back to original <coughs> purpose, then surely we're trying to restrict it. But the original purpose was wide open. Yeah. But that's the thing. <laughs> it's like there, there was no original. You say you, the way you talk about fringe's original purpose is as if it was something thought out. It was. it was. But no, <laughs> the whole point is that it was organic. The whole yeah. point of the Edinburgh Festival Fringe is that it has grown and created itself organically. Yeah. And I mean, the, the society didn't get founded until 56, I think. And so I think that, you know, the, the people turning up is, it, it's not going to be like, we're going to start our fringe festival. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even defined as that until after it happened. Right. So I think that I actually find having worked in Edinburgh for a long time, in my mind, Fringe was open access and organic, which obviously it is not because so many people have started Fringe festivals, which I find very interesting, yeah. you know? If that, in my mind, is a artists show up and do a thing. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, that's what a flash mob is these days, you know, yeah. and that's not, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen anymore, and yeah. people are like actively being like, I'm gonna start a Fringe festival, and yeah. I think that's great, and I yeah. think that's really wonderful if we can move towards yeah, and, it's, and it, it comes out of people in, in specific cities trying to um, develop a structure that supports the, the supports these artists to, to be able yeah. to do this. So, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, for example, my festival. Growing up, probably uh, it's really the biggest festival we have in Roma. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about quality because, uh, yes, it's, it's hard to control, but as a number of artists, yes, it is. And, uh, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And uh, I think this, main, this means that probably, for sure, it's main. <laughs> it will be extreme, uh, 
automatically. And then, uh, no, I, I think another thing, in the 47, when the print start, it starts as a reaction for an institutional print, right? And the institutional stream, uh, such as uh, stream, uh, free, um, festival, the institutional, institutional festival was there. I didn't care about the other things. Oh, it, it would be another festival, bigger, smaller. I mean, about the people was around. They just made that festival inclusive with a certain amount of, of companies, and that was all. So they don't care about what was up out there. And so the fringe came out just because it was because artists wanted it was mainstream actually yeah. because it was something that then it could be mainstream in this in, in, I think in, in, um, in this kind of uh, consideration means that uh, <coughs> comes from the ground from the people was something that you can control. So sometimes it's like and it's uh, and so probably the, the definition of it is a uh, it's hard to, to find because the, it's like uh, uh, the, uh, the shining of a comet that you can't define and, and then the, the closer you get, the more you get closer, the more you, you cannot see it. And the comet, of course, is the institutional art. So... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it is. It, it, I, think, I think that's another kind of universal theme that you see with fringe festivals is it is the fringe of the establishment art, the institutional art, the Shakespeare festivals in yeah. LA and, and those type of things. So um, yeah, I mean, whether it's a festival or not, or it's just the community in the city, um, <coughs> it always is uh, on, the, on the outskirts of, of, of that, if that's what we're talking, saying is mainstream. Well, it's an alternative, isn't it? It's basically, it is, it, here, here is an alternative to what's currently happening. Like, in Ludlow, we had a Shakespeare festival that's been going for well over 50 years, and it hadn't changed. It hadn't changed at all. It was just, they got bigger and bigger and bigger and did a bespoke two-week production in a castle, and the rest of the, 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 the arts festival around it sprung up to subsidise this crazy two-week, massively expensive bespoke production. But there was nothing you know, it was less than like 20 quid. There's nothing for families. Mm -hmm. You know, the music was, you know, classical music and some fireworks at the end. But basically the demographic was, you know, retired people. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't anything for young people. There wasn't anything for people with less money. So that's why the fringe was set up. Because it was an alternative mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, so we've got a maximum ticket price of 12 quid. So that's mm -hmm. it, 12 pounds yeah. is yeah. maximum. Mm -hmm. over, the, over the years, that will probably shift a bit, as you know. But most of the stuff that we have on is free, and like you say, it's a platform for it's a platform for local artists, local performers, but it's also a platform for other people to come and try out stuff yeah. because we're you know late June, early July, mm -hmm. so people can come and try out stuff before they come up to Edinburgh. Right. So we get to see stuff that's maybe slightly raw, yeah. um, you know, and it's exciting. And we're only free, but you know, gradually. The Community the first one, what are you? You know, you've got the Shakespeare Festival, you know, you're just going to be offering the same thing just under a different name, basically. And now, three years on, we've got an art trail with those artists. You know, it's like things things shift and, and, and change as you go along. And what's what's interesting is I, I would not doubt that your festival will change oh, the yeah. Shakespeare Festival, will actually change their content mm -hmm. because what's happened. With they died. us, they died. Is now we're 23 they years died. old. The Shakespeare Festival. The reason it died was because it had a financially unsustainable model. Yeah. Because it was reliant on all these other events to subsidise this crazy two week bespoke production. It's costing them like 300 grand for yeah. two weeks in a weather dependent venue <laughs> with, with no wet weather insurance. You know, just oh stuff that you're like, okay, I'm not a producer, but really, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, drives, it drives me crazy as we look, when we look, go for funding and we're seeing organizations, I don't want to point fingers or I'll hit a ballet, that really are terrible organizations and put up horrible work and have uh, uh, books with huge holes in them and uh, it's just a mess. And yet, constantly 
getting money and now was given a space that I was after for three years for a dollar a year from the city and they're going to build it out, for, they're going to do a $12 million build out on it. And I'm like, you know what, I could have filled that with better art or nothing. I could, you know, I mean, I could have gotten volunteer help to come build this shit. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, there, it drives me batty. It drives me batty how there's still so much, um, uh, yeah, there's still a stigma on fringe. No matter how much we kind of, we kind of really do now, we, people are starting to catch on and realize that we, we, we represent, we are the only ones that actually represent the Main Street. When you see the Shakespeare Festival in Orlando, they started a new play festival. They started to do a studio series with new cutting edge plays because, and they, and they ask us to, um, to help them promote their, their, their play series. They also host our venues, which is wonderful too. But so, um, so we have a great relationship with them, but we've seen them change over the years because of the fringe movement. So, um, the corporate theaters introduced a, a fringy thing called the wild slide because that was the newer demographic. You know, the younger people right. got a taste of it, and that's what they wanted. So, it's true. I mean, even though I'm very critical of, of uh, the fringes and where they're going, I, I will acknowledge that they often do quite a lot of good as well in those uh, the cities. You know. Yeah, and you know, sometimes you know, and, and to uh, I, I know we go we go to uh, uh, the next level of of mainstream, which is money funding. Yeah. Um, what I, what I found really interesting on the panel was seeing Cynthia, who is getting handcuffed a lot of the time yeah. and getting a lot of pushback when it comes to government funding, mm -hmm. whereas um, Tiger Dublin, now you have a, a, a festival that has named itself mm -hmm. after a, a, a company, yet they have basically they have no influence over content mm -hmm. or or anything, and that's that's something that we found a lot is we have we have tons of, of sponsors. You know what they want? They want to put up a banner and have an ad in the program. Great. What the government makes you do? The the hoops that you have to jump through to get government funding, whether it be from the county or the state or from United Arts, which comes from um, the the NEA National Endowment for the Arts, is so much more restrictive and a huge pain in the ass and time consuming and mm -hmm. budget consuming because we're having to have our people um, working on this. And then I go into a grant panel every year, it's the same question, how do you, can, how do you guarantee quality in your work? And, you, and, and I figured out creative ways to do this, to, to address this, rather than just saying, I don't guarantee quality. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just, continual lack of understanding of what we do, frankly, most businesses don't care. They just care about our demographics. Yeah. Our, they just want to have, they just want to have their, their, their banner in front of an audience. And I'm, I, and as much as Donovan hates this, I, I'm, I'm happy to do that because um, it, it, they have to come to us. It's, it's again, changing, changing their perceptions because um, you know, our most successful show in the history of our festival is a show called The Lion Queen and the Naked Go-Go Cub, which <laughs> is a huge uh, parody of Disney's Lion King, skewers the hell out of it, is raunchy as hell, and really just kind of, and, and, and very political as well. Um, and then now after 20, I guess it was in our 20, 20th year, Disney approached us and said, we want to give you money. And we said, you know what we are, right? You know we have, um, uh, you know, you're going to be in the program with pretending things are a cock and, you know, uh, whatever, God is a Scottish drag queen and whatever else, you know, we have content-wise and they didn't care. Um, so they've, we've seen, we've seen the, even the big dogs start to come around to, you know, accepting a wider culture. Um, which is cool. Uh, I've noticed two things. One that, uh, two sad things. <laughs> One is that probably, yes, Italy and USA, Unifab, so far, country, uh, are and sometimes are, are pretty the same because, uh, yes, with funding, with, uh, uh, with public funding, uh, it's almost the same thing. So the second sad thing is to, uh, to constate that, that um, I mean, uh, funding, public funding, 
uh, uh, was made to to be uh, uh, without control because uh, in, in, if you think it's much more pr pr the, the Mr. Tiger could, could control much more because it's one, the fringe, than the institution. And the institution, he said that the institution is just something up there. But then uh, in any state of, of I mean, from, uh, from Italy to US, there's somebody that changed the cards and make the public funding controlled. Yeah, and, well that's, and that's sad because actually, uh, the, the, yes, because it's the same mechanism that I thought in Rome, okay, uh, we, we want to be independent. So we don't have, we don't want public funding. We, we found a private sponsor. But then w what happens is the, the, the sponsor starts to say, no, yes, but I don't want him because it, it, uh, it, 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 I don't know, I don't like how it's dressed. <laughs> right, but the difference is the public funding has a monopoly on that funding. Yeah, so the public a, yeah. government, there's only one government for this yeah. county, right? Yeah. Private funding, if, private, if a private funder says, you know what, I don't like that content, you're going to have to get them to change their title, you can say, all right, well, get the fuck out, there's the door, mm -hmm. and go find another one. Yes. That will yes. be like, fun. Yes. But how so often does that happen, have, though? We have a lot more yeah. control. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that's that. It's not universal. There are there are organizations that are going to kowtow to that, but I'm saying that the opportunity that that they shouldn't. I, I believe yeah. they shouldn't. I mean, there, there should be no control. It's upside down the word because actually yes, at the end instead, Mr. Tiger doesn't care at all about what festival is. But the the, the, the most important thing thing is people come to the festival. Right. Instead, the institutions say, oh no. We, cannot talk about these things with public funding. Yeah, you can't and have a guy having mayonnaise enema in your show. <laughs> 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 you hear about mayonnaise enema? I think that's a, an interesting thing, like, looking historically at fringes. I, I would argue that like, maybe another way, another very broad way you could define fringe is that it, they tend to be inherently entrepreneurial, because mm -hmm. like, the whole idea of the people coming up for the festival, yeah, okay, it's, it's going to be because they weren't invited, but obviously they were coming because there was a captive audience. Yeah. And so I think they, so for example, Capital Fringe, we're actually 75% earned revenue. And that's because we manage our own bar operation during the festival, and our sponsorship by and large comes from in kind sponsorship for our bar. Right. So it has nothing to do with the programs of the festival. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we've got like a Stella Happy Hour, <coughs> whatever, or Zip Club, but Zip got this cornhole game that they like doing in our bar, it's really hot. But you know, we, we have eight taps sponsored, and that's where our sponsorship goes to, and then we make money off the bar, and then that goes towards our programming. So you, know, you can get creative with the way right. that you look for those sponsors, and yeah, they, like you say, we, we had somebody, I mean, not commenting on programming, but commenting on, oh, well, we want exclusivity in your bar, and we're like, screw that, we've got eight taps, DC's got a huge local brewing culture, see ya, and we didn't, we didn't take them, and we got a different local sponsor. Right. So you know, yeah. you, you can't, especially when you're looking at more small scale sponsorship, you can just be like, nope, adios, do some research on somebody else. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's how much percentage each of the sponsors mm -hmm. have, because if it's a small percentage, then you, don't, you can say goodbye to them and nothing really changes. Yeah, and that's, exactly. and that's the other thing, is like we have, you know, we have a lot of sponsors, so they all, they all are a much smaller percentage. We're not getting all of our money from one thing that's now naming themselves, you know, the Hard Rock Orlando Fringe Fest. It's not gonna happen. So it, it, having a diversity of sponsors and a lot of them really, really helps. A lot of in-kind too. Yeah. We do a lot of in-kind media sponsorships, which mm -hmm. give us a lot of advertising. Mm -hmm. Clear Channel Outdoors, which is the billboards, so they yeah. give us billboards. And we have a bit of earned income. We do, we do get in earned income. Uh, we are about, I'd say about 30% earned income, um, about 20% sponsorship, and about um, and, and about 50% is, is grants is the big, we are, we're also in a special situation in Orlando. There's something called tourism tax dollars where they charge an extra penny sales tax on the 
tourist area, theme parks, restaurants, hotels. So when you come to visit our city, you pay an extra penny on the dollar, to, and that all goes to cultural development. They just build a huge performing arts center, and we get money every year from that and all the parks and institutions. I think all of that it is. plays. It's a great model. We're also the largest uh, tourist industry in America. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I was, I was saying, I think that all of that kind of plays into, you know, we, when we're talking to our artists about, you know, how they reach out to their audiences, we encourage, and I think they were talking about in the panel, you know, not, not just handing off flyers when they're talking about the one stash things. You, you need to think outside the box, and I think, you know, French festival organizers, do the same thing in their approach and kind of lead by example in that respect. And I think that, that that perhaps is what also can make, you know, balances the sort of fringe versus mainstream aspect is that we're not necessarily going to buy billboards. We're gonna <coughs> organize trade. trade. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah. you know, you get, get in-kind sponsorship from your local radio station, you're gonna whatever. And so I think that that, that kind of creates a nice balance between kind of reaching markets in more mainstream ways, but doing it not just by yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, I agree, that total parallel between artist and festival, having to be creative in how you um, put up a show in this you know, small venue with little tech and, and, and little turnarounds is this really parallels the organizations having to go on small budgets because we don't get the big money donors. Mm -hmm. We're not prestigious. But I think it's also important to look at like why corporations might be interested in the fringe or sponsoring it. And I think there's definitely like the cool factor, you know, you'll yeah. often see these fringes are like literally selling the artists and audience in the eighteen to thirty-five demographic mm -hmm. to the corporation, which is you know what their advertising uh, market is, and that's the mind share they want to capture. So you've got things like, uh, <coughs> for example. Uh, what was that? Was it BP that caused that oil spill? Mm -hmm. so, so we saw then like uh, sponsoring the international festival uh, the year after that, and that's the, the corporate social responsibility department, right? So a lot of these corporations are want to attach themselves to fringe because of that cool factor, because of that marketing. But I think we also need to be careful because you know some of these corporations, if they're unethical. Uh, they could end up damaging the fringe's brand, and they could also end up damaging, of course, the artist's brand themselves. For example, I wouldn't want to be playing in a festival uh, in Saskatchewan. It's the Potash Corp fringe now, which, which is, is oil a gigantic, oil, right? uh, well, it's fertilizer oil. It's, it's environmental Even destruction. Even the artist's live, the audience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? I would never, ever attend it. I would never play in it. For me, it's dead, you know? And it's not just me. I mean, most artists I know, would. Uh, it's, it's a dead festival now. And so, again, it's a very dangerous uh, game to play with, uh, you know, these corporations. That's why the infringement, we have a, a very strict policy if there is to be a corporate sponsor. They have to demonstrate that they're not unethical in any way. And so, I think that's... to have any influence over your content, you also don't want to be supporting in, 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 your, in your advertising something that's unethical. I mean, if anything, we could be showing leadership. We could be saying, hey, you know, the fringe, we only accept ethical corporations. We could change the whole game here if we wanted to, but it would require some policy. Uh, I don't think that's just fringes. How much does it cost to play? Who's the sponsor? That's not a policy. How much it's individual, though. That's individual. Each festival has its own policies. Mm -hmm. But if we, we could always encourage them and say, if you want to be a fringe, we ask that you follow a voluntary. But it kind of works the artist kind of then. Like you said, you wouldn't go to that one fringe in Canada because you don't like what they're doing. And that artists are kind of doing that too. They're going yeah, to they this festival because they like the Edinburgh model, or they're going to this one because they like the cap model only, or they mm -hmm. like this because it's really, really nice to their artists and take care of them. Um, and so I think the artists are also kind of choosing it and helping us. Um, no one's yeah, forced I mean, to play, are they? Yeah, I, and, and, and like, I, you know, going, going back to Disney, because I know Donovan loves this one. 
it's the sweatshops. Well, <laughs> get over that. The kids right, make the toys for no, the kids in America. It, it's, it, and this is this is a falsehood. <laughs> Disney gives three hundred and seventy-five million dollars a year to charitable as charitable giving. And um, there was one incident in two thousand eleven where they found out that a toy was being made. Uh, by underage 14-year-olds who work in long hours in some, some sweatshop, and they stopped. So this is, this is, this is a, a I, I, Reverend I, Billy would disagree with you, but. Well, Reverend Billy may, may disagree, and he's welcome to, and, and like I, I said, would be welcome at our Because festival. this is a Disney store. And, and I don't care who Reverend Billy Right, right, but, but and, and that's the thing. <laughs> it's Disney, a fringe Disney as a corporation, I think, is a very, uh, a very good corporation. They also host gay days. Um, every year, which is the largest gathering of LGBT people in the world, right there in, in Orlando. And, um, and they uh, employ half of our artists, our local artists, are working at Disney. And granted, every day they do a show there, their soul dies a little bit. <laughs> so that's, but that's all the more important that we have a fringe festival for them to go out and do their art the way they want to do it, and to do the Lion Queen and the Naked Go Go Cub and nail and you know stick it to their employer, you know, criticize. So um, I, I do think that uh, you know there there needs to be a level of ethical sponsorship. But your what seems it seems to me that your bar is um, anybody who's actually a big corporation. And I don't think that everyone who is, uh, I, I think some of the lawyers that sponsor us are far less ethical than, than uh, Walt Disney World, so yeah. Well, I think, can I just say very quickly, because I thought I was kind of working here on marketing as well. And one of the things that I find really interesting is how marketing is, is shifting over the years, because we're all becoming quite blind to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, Virgin, Virgin big red thing, but you know, red is one of my favorite colors. So I just, I didn't, I didn't think. I mean, I know Virgin's done it because I saw the comedy, the official comedy festival brochure just nicked the design. You know, but it's like I, I, I didn't think, oh, Virgin, great. Well, Virgin, I must get their train, or you know, I must kind of sign up for their money. I think people are much more savvy to kind of advertise. That's why you get advertorials where it's like, hang on, this page looks very suspiciously like. Is trying to sell me something. Oh, advertorial at the top. Yeah, yeah I mean, people, are, people yeah. are way more savvy than they used to be with, with advertising and marketing. Yeah. And I think most of them they ignore it. The reason why Tiger, I think, kind of, you can see why they'd be so keen on doing a fringe festival is because loads of people drink so much at the mm -hmm. festival and they sell booze. Yeah. So, you know, if they can get a monopoly in terms of selling their booze in the venues, then they're going to, but why would they give a monkey about the content? Because mm -hmm. they're just going to sell loads of booze. So they'll yeah. make money from it anyway. You know, and the fact that they get more exposure because people are like, oh, I want a bit, oh, I've only got to worry about it, I want to worry about it. You know, it's like, <laughs> people, are, people are much, much savvier with advertising. And I think the ethical thing is really important. But I think also, you know, we mustn't forget, people, you know, people are, people are smart. Yeah, they <laughs> do have a choice. Yeah. yeah, people are smart, they have the choice. And I, and I don't believe, I personally, that, you know, loads of people who've come up to Edinburgh this year are going to be like, Virgin, yeah, I must stick out a bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I just think they're just going to be like, great, Virgin's giving them loads of money. And yeah. I don't think they're going to take that. No. I, don't, I don't think it will go into their consciousness. I'm looking at it, I recognise that logo. And that's as far as it goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard a lot of complaints from the artists. They're very angry about all this visual pollution up there. But without the visual pollution, they wouldn't be there. There's no infrastructure, it's just there's advertising. I mean, the, you could have a tiny stage to put a soapbox in there, like Amy would have done. There's a tremendous amount of infrastructure that goes into managing the high street and the mount. And it, it's, a, it's, department, a, it's right? a huge department. It's actually probably one of the biggest departments in the society mm -hmm. during the festival. And it takes a lot of manpower, which takes a lot, a lot of hours. insurance. A lot and of insurance. And the person is not just sponsoring the highest the amount. Street. They're not sponsoring the shows or the festival yeah. or the program or the. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. I it's just the amount. Sponsoring the amount. Yeah. And I think the thing that goes, it's really important into that is, yeah, they're just sponsoring. Yeah, but, but, you know, when, when I see that, I just think, oh, it's the, red, the big red fringe book there. But I don't think, oh, it's the virgin fringe book there. Or, you know, and I'm like, oh, I won't be the only, you know, like, well, virgin, whatever. I mean, sometimes the sponsorship is 25%. Less than 25% of their whole budget sponsorship with all the different sponsors, I think, right? Yeah. And also, I think it's important that, you know, Edinburgh, the 
festival society pays everybody who works for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they take on interns occasionally, take on volunteers, but every single person who is wearing a hoodie, like a red hoodie on the high street is a paid employee, paid above minimum wage. Mm -hmm. So, and that's not possible without some sort of support. Mm -hmm. And considering the size of the Edinburgh Festival, or the, sorry, considering the size of the Festival Fringe versus the size of the International Festival and the discrepancy in um, public funding that the two get, so much more money goes to the International Festival. Yeah. And yes, it's a produced festival, and yes, they produce all the works, but at the same time, the Edinburgh Festival Fringe brings in far more revenue to the city. So, you know, Often, in Canada, the government usually pays for these services because they see the influx of tourists and they see that it generates a lot of tax dollars and employment and so forth. I find it odd that here it's a corporation providing that service instead of just the city government doing it. Yeah, but the government here doesn't give hardly anything to anyone. Yeah, so. Yeah. Without and it's typically not for Fringe. They wouldn't, in fact, the Arts Council don't fund Fringe. Because it's almost all as a policy. Well, so. I think we're about the end. We are actually. Oh, sorry. Okay. We're at the end of time, too. <laughs> yeah, we get Arts Council funding. There's very little, but there's a little bit for Brighton. Only in the last kind of four or five years that they have before that, they didn't ever give any money. And we're at the end of our time. Boom. Well, we have like a. We have more. You took a long lunch break, too. So I think one of the things that I find interesting is, you know, our one is such a small fringe, or a baby fringe, but, you know, like with, um, with, Edinburgh, with Edinburgh fringe, you know, it's, it's got so, so big that you do then need that infrastructure, and then when you have that infrastructure, you need the money. Oh, Where's that money going to come well. from? You know, so, and I think that's one of the things that I find really interesting is how do you, how do you become bigger in a really sustainable way? Mm. Because yeah. it's, not, but it's not just necessarily about size, you know, there's a limit to what we can do because we're a small town. There's always going to be a limit in terms of accommodation, infrastructure, you know, just, just in terms of being a good people up. Right. You know, so if we're never going to be a massive, a massive thing, and that's totally fine. That's sort yeah, of, of course. our USP in a way that we are small, it isn't sort of, not kind of like the family of London Britain's job, yeah. and, you know. And, but I think that's, it's a difficult question because times are tough, money is scarce. And what you do need that money when you get bigger. Mm -hmm. You just you just do. It's not sustainable. Down, it? No, you can't do it. Oh, well, Edinburgh used to have sponsored like the Fringe Sunday and the parade. Um, that was. And then when they lost the money or got behind financially, they just dropped the three events. Well, that was the cap. The cavalcade was actually was a council event. That actually okay. had nothing to do with the society. Fringe Sunday. It used to cost the society sixty thousand pounds to buy on. Yeah. So they decided that it didn't because actually, um, <coughs> venues hated Fringe Sunday because it was their quiet day. So when Tim came on board, he was like, oh, "Well, we've lost the sponsorship. That's not a really good excuse." Not to do it anymore. Mm. <laughs> and nobody really missed it. No one cared. <laughs> no one cared at all. Yeah, the cavalcade died because the uh, the dude at the council who ran it retired. Yeah. <laughs> so they just stopped. But also, I think it's important to note that just getting bigger doesn't necessarily have to mean getting more money. For example, the largest arts festival in eastern North America, the Buffalo Infringement Festival, puts on a thousand acts every year. Uh, and they do it with just volunteers and a budget of about $6,000. Uh, and that's just to produce the program. And it's because they're able to make deals with venues and you know, places like that. And uh, you know, they don't charge the artists or anything like that. So they're able to have this gigantic event uh, for what would be considered pennies uh, for some of these other large scale festivals. And again, it's a matter of being 100% volunteer driven. And it's a matter of them uh, being resourceful. You know, that's, that's how they do it. So it's possible. I mean, without an without infrastructure for uh, volunteer recruitment or volunteer management, uh, time management, uh, without anything, they just, I, I'm going to have to go check that out. When, when is it? What time of year is it? It's uh, the end of July, beginning of August. But it's entirely uh, volunteer run, including the administrators, including uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, most, most spring yeah. festivals, um, <laughs> even, even, even ones that are, are even a little more established, there's still a lot of volunteers. And people are working year round, so they're working a separate job and then doing this at night. And, 
know, so it really Perhaps does. Perhaps we could well, do another survey about volunteer. how many are volunteer run. Yeah, if you really yeah. Or, or what percentage of volunteers and make up the paid. workforce, I think, yeah. would be Because I think we'd be surprised that actually there's less. Yeah. A lot of the US yeah. volunteers. Yeah. 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 We're 100% volunteer led, but it's not sustainable. Because no. we are a small town, there's only a certain amount of people who actually have the skills and experience yeah. to be able to manage it. Yeah, but that. There has to be a Yeah. Also, educate other people. It's a great way to bring a community together to learn things from each other. To That's what we're doing. But, you know, we still... suggest they're doing free work for someone else, but here they're actually creating this themselves, so they're collaborators. Right. You know, if 10 of them drop out, there's still another couple of hundred of them there. But there's no one but who's doing it No, no, there's no, there's the no boss, there's no director, there's no hierarchy. It's and, uh, well, this is the way it's designed to prevent uh, any interference. What was that uh, again? The Buffalo Infringement Festival. But we have the same model in Montreal. We, we don't have hundreds of organizers. We have between five and 20. But again, it's, you know, right. even if there's only one or two people, you can still do it. It's not well, a big what's deal. What's the legal status of the fringe right now? Uh, there is no legal status with this festival. This, it's based on the original Edinburgh Fringe of 1947. So there's no paperwork, there's no sponsor, yes. none of these things. And it's, it's an artistic movement, you know? And it's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think. Sounds um, great. I think. I think. I think. I think. I think. What you'll find is that 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 model would really serve some artists very well, mm -hmm. uh, but there are a lot of other artists that it would not serve well. So, Absolutely. like for us, you know, we 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 make sure that we have a professional technician in every venue that takes care of them. Yeah. We have a, a a really well-run box office, mm -hmm. and we have a big marketing push to make sure that audiences are coming out. So, you know, I think there's, um, uh, you know. A lot of artists, it, it really depends on the artist. I mean, some artists will, will be uh, more attracted to something like that where it's more of a free-for-all and just like this, this, this you know, punk, punk rock uh, arts movement where, and, and others will be looking for something with a little more structure and support for them. Especially if it's an artist who doesn't have much experience. Because I would feel like you would, you would, for a festival like that to be sustainable, you would need to have artists who know what they're doing. We have. So I, I had an artist last year who literally didn't know what a scene change was, and he was producing a musical. And you know, and that's great. And that's great. But he had to have. He had to have that conversation with somebody. What's the stage? Like, like, I think there's a thing where the lights go out and you change things around. And it's like, yeah, that's how you move your set. It'll be fine. But you know, so you you can't you can't throw somebody like that into an environment where it's like okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So different different people need different levels of support. Yeah. In Italy, we actually what, what we do with the Roma we cannot uh, have employers because we cannot permit it because it will cost double. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we are we are well, the, the fringe makers uh, in Roma are a bunch of friends inside the environment. So we made up an association, a cultural association, and a, a non-profit, and this association runs the fringe. And uh, me and Marta, that we are the, the producer, the, the ones that put the money on it, pay all these guys, but in, with in, uh, with black money, because <laughs> inside it. Uh, but it's regular because they are inside the association. It's like uh, <coughs> they are volunteers inside this association for cultural events. But if um, we don't want to uh, 
so, uh, but we cannot uh, have uh, uh, the, the Italian rules say that you, you, ca you cannot have uh, volunteers unless you have um, four employers. So every four employers you can have a, a volunteer. And uh, so one volunteer yeah, for four, for four employers. So wow, that would never work. We got like 350 yeah. volunteers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Employees. yeah, so yeah. Um, uh, we, we, I mean, last year a girl said, can I come and help you? And I said, yes, but do what you want. I mean, I can control you. So <laughs> we, 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 we enjoy your helping, but uh, we cannot, mm, I mean, we, we, we cannot command you right. in any ways. This year, mm, yes, mm, nobody, uh, offers <laughs> anyway, but uh, so this is how our friendship works, and actually, yes, and we don't get paid. I mean, we, me and Marta, we are pretty down, uh, but the, the, first, um, the first year um, went down 15,000 euros, so, so second year, 7,000. This year, it's it's fair. But the other guys get, get, get a normal yeah. salary in black because otherwise it would be the double. Right. There's room for my thing, so is it, uh, can I erase the board and put the other questions? Okay. And they'll set you up. So how long we have till the next one? Is it like two o'clock? Is it two o'clock? It's an hour. Great.